everybody. This is the Tomato Tomato Podcast. It's a podcast about movies and the way that they're reviewed. And I'm like, I don't even know what a qualifier from this movie would be. Not a severe lack of Daniel Radcliffe bottom. I was just thinking that. I was just thinking that. Like After we, the last two movies we, we had. We said last week that it's like, oh yeah, I guess he has that in his contract to show his butt in every post-Potter movie. But this is an exception from that rule. It is an exception. No butt, no butt in this movie, which is surprising. This, this movie being Now You See Me Too. Which as the, the first thing, like the, the main thing I have taken away from this movie before I ever had seen it was a joke from Doug Benson where he's like, why the fuck did they not call this movie? Now you don't. Because <laughs> it would have been, been perfect. But it, I mean, like, yes, it would have like doomed the movie because it's like, well, I'm not going to go see a movie called Now You Don't or whatever. Like, it, it's just kind of like predictive of whether or not people will have seen this movie. But oh, I just well, was, like, it's a fucking great joke. Looking but, at the tomato meter and everything, yeah. not a lot of people saw it anyways. No. But yeah. No, they really don't. No. So can you read off the tomato information? I can. I do not so, have the page. Yes. Yeah, so running down the tomato meter for now you see me too it's at 34 percent it's a bit lower than i expected average rating five out of ten 176 reviews 117 of those are rotten wow it's a lot yeah uh the critic consensus is now you see me too packs in even more twists and turns than its predecessor but in the end it has even less hiding up its sleeve Audience score, 53, 3.4 to 5 average rating, and a little over 66,000 user ratings. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So people are either I don't like it or meh. So I just was checking something. So this is the second lowest rated movie, because you can search by actor. This is the second lowest rated movie that Radcliffe has ever done. What's the first? Victor Frankenstein. Oh, that makes sense. Which we could have watched. It was available for free on Amazon Prime, and I looked at it and immediately moved on. I'm like, but we I'd are not watching yeah. that movie. No, we but, are not, because yeah. we don't support Max Landis on here. Oh, yeah, I totally forgot that that was him. Yeah, yeah we don't support that. Max Landis <laughs> except for the first time that we supported Max Landis as we a total hate watch. Yes, uh, but yeah. now we don't. <laughs> No, we don't. <laughs> but no, so if, you, if you're if you just joining us, first off, this is a weird episode for you to join in on. Second of all, we are planned kind of for this month. And yes, I know it's February. It feels like time is an illusion. Who gives a fuck? Um, our plan for the, the, the last couple of episodes has been to kind of cover Daniel Radcliffe movies in some way. So when we were Going through the list, I was like, okay, everything that we haven't seen is either Potter or Trainwreck, which is inexplicably like two and a half fucking hours long, and or like other weird indie movies that somehow seemed either boring or weirder than Swiss Army Man. Yeah. <laughs> and so then we landed on this because I'm like, hey, it's fun. It seems fun. I don't know. It's just easy. But we, but I don't know. We haven't seen the original. I will clarify that right now. So if there, if you are right now, you see me <laughs> diehard fan and we get any of the canon wrong, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not. We just kind of jumped in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the way this works, we just, we picked a few reviews to, you know, to discuss this movie. And it, the reviews are not good for this movie. No. Yeah, I'm, 
I don't hate this movie. It was. It's just kind of there. Yeah. Forgettable, but in the moment, I was kind of entertained. Yeah. Which kind of feels like a good representation for a movie that's literally about magic. Yeah. Like, that's exactly how magic feels. <laughs> I'm going to check and see how the first one did. Yeah, I, I should have. So basically, uh, it came on 2016, a few years after the original, the, the first one. Uh, the first one has a 50% rating. Wow. It says, now you see me's thinly stretched characters and scattered plot rely on sleight of hand from the director to distract audiences. It was like the, whoever made the first one, it was like they wanted to take Inception, but with heat or something as a heist movie. <laughs> and it just I kind know. of failed. Yeah. I mean, it's all kind of a spectacle, really. Yeah, and it's also positing that there's a world where people actually give this much of a shit about magic. Yeah, because like, <laughs> I still don't... Is it all supposed to be just sleight of hand in this movie, or are they actually magic? I, I know. I'm like, it doesn't... It just seems like it's sleight of hand. But then I'm also like, okay, how... Then if that's the case, how do certain things in this movie even work? Yeah, there's some other... I think it's one of those things where it's like, oh, we'll leave it up to you to decide. But that just seems... It's a cop-out. It it's totally a cop-out. Yeah. Uh, um, do we want to go into one yeah. of the reviews? Okay. So let's start with Globe and Mail. Okay. So this was a fresh review. Uh, uh, Brad Re Wheeler is the reviewer, and he gave it two and a half out of four stars. There's the four-star thing Here again. Here we go again. Don't four, use four stars. It should be four. Like, it should be five, because four yeah. stars is such a weird... Metric for... It's yeah. so weird. So this is somehow two and a half stars is fresh. It's It, it seems like it would translate to, like, a C. Because two and a half stars is... 60 something percent 66 percent which is barely fresh. that's barely fresh but that is technically fresh because like 60 yeah. or above is technically fresh yeah it's just it's so weird and and i'm like the 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 fact that you brought it up like a c makes me go on my whole rant in my mind about how <laughs> american school system stuff is bullshit anyway yes. <laughs> but yeah so i guess this technically counts it like as fresh and it is a positive review generally positive yes um like i said before it seems like a lot of people are just mad it's like yeah i was entertained um the, he has one quibble he says it is crazy length uh uh one quibble though is the crazy length of a card trick episode involving the stolen stick and some sleight of hand choreography Oh my god! Exists, I, a Roman, it, it, I I tuned the fuck out during that <laughs> scene. I'm gonna be completely honest. Like that I was, scene. I was doing things while I was watching this movie, and I honestly like did, I tuned out for a couple of minutes, and then I came back, and I'm like, we're still in this fucking scene, and I <laughs> cannot this, tell what's going on. I was the. This is the scene I was attentive to the most, just because I was like, <laughs> "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> It had my attention the most. It was when we got to like the end of Act Two yeah. into Act Three, where I started kind of just zoning out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that scene was way too goddamn long. It's like we get it. This entire it movie really, is way too long. It is. Like I'm gonna be completely honest. You do not need to make this movie over two hours long. 
No, this should have just been a tight 90 minutes. Yeah. And I cut feel out like many of the subplots. Yeah, the subplots and just the pacing. It was very it, weird. Yeah, the pacing is kind of all over the place. Like it goes from woo, this is supposed to be high octane, blah, 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 to like painfully slow. Or like, I don't know. It was just the timing was not how I would have timed this movie. Yes. But then again, I don't know how it is versus the first one. So I would guess more or less the same. Yeah. Yeah. But so this review, I'm trying to think. Um, let's see. Yeah, it's... Uh, he really, this review is a lot of just recap. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, come on, Brad. Get it the well, other end. We want to hear your thoughts. No, some of the other ones are too. So I, I know because they really have nothing to say about the movie. Exactly, and and plus it's like if it's been four years since the first one came out, then you kind of <laughs> need to. The reviews for this movie are recaps because they needed to remember because it was forgettable. But like also as people who have not seen the first movie, I do appreciate it, and I did appreciate within the movie that it starts out with the like weird <laughs> little CG montage of like <laughs> what happened in the last movie because. I'm like, good, okay, I know some of the basics of what I really need to know. Although I was kind of confused, I was bamboozled by the the very first scene, the like flashback thing, because mm -hmm. I had thought that that was Radcliffe. Like I thought that that was his character. Oh, okay. I didn't know, I was like, okay, so it's a little kid and he sounds kind of sort of British, not really. Like he sounds yeah. like he could have been British. So I was just like, oh, maybe this is his character. And this explains why he's involved in the movie. And instead it was Mark Ruffalo. But like they didn't really justify that until like no. 45 minutes into the movie. And then I'm like, oh, okay. That wasn't worth it. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brad goes on to say, Magic, some says, is about controlling perception. Same goes for filmmaking. At times, the glittering Now You See Me 2 is slick like Mission Impossible or Ocean's Eleven, but it's quirky enough that its implausibility is excused. Uh, I don't know about that. It They kind know. of... They put too much in like the quirkiness. And there's and so... They look at the card tricks and not yeah. enough time in the plot and yeah. characters. It's like the you have to define like how things work within the world that you're creating and if it just keeps if that boundary just keeps being pushed then i don't know it's not as much it's not as easy to follow and as easy to believe kind of like everything all of the big like well how did they do that blah 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 it just felt kind of hollow and yeah. part of that was not having seen the first one so i don't know if they're actually magic or if they're just really good yeah, because there's weird moments like towards the end where they're explaining their tricks that they do yeah. in London. Yeah. It's like, oh, you just explained them all and took away some of the, the mystique of the movie, which is one of the few which, things that I liked. I, I got that to an extent because it almost felt like in like a Sherlock episode when it would get to the point where Sherlock's like, I figured out what happened. And then it like, he goes through how X, Y, and Z came about and every little plot point that you've been watching for the past hour and a half. But like, I, I, so I got doing that, but then there were like, so it's like, you, okay, you go into that much detail to explain that thing. And yet there's other things like the whole scene with the rain where I'm like, yeah, how does the, the science of this work? How is this even happening? I remember seeing that in the trailers and thinking, oh, that looks really cool. And but yeah, it's same. not explained. I 
I mean, it was to an extent with like the strobe lights and the sprinklers. Oh, okay. Uh, but even then, I don't know if I needed that explanation. It's like whoever wrote this movie put too much effort into explaining how some of these tricks and illusions work and not into the, the plot and yeah. the pacing of it. Um, I'm uh, trying Brad, to see who wrote this movie. Brad I'm goes on to curious. say, a series of merely improbable ploys serve as a setup. So by, by the time we get to the preposterous show-stopping stunt at the end, we're willing to buy just about anything. I guess. <laughs> I guess. So... I mean, after that card scene, it's like, we get it. They're good with illusions. <laughs> so I'm... I, I pulled up this guy's IMDb and I'm honestly surprised. I'm simultaneously surprised and not surprised because he has a wide array of things in his filmography. <laughs> what else has he done? So first off, hold on. So first off, he is listed as the screenwriter for the MonsterVerse Invisible Man movie that is oh, not God. happening. Yeah. Um, R.I.P. in peace, Dark Universe. <laughs> but he has written, let's see, let me go in, like, oldest to newest. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Literally everything tied to Bill and Ted. Um, the Super Mario Brothers movie, which in a way explains a lot. Yes, Having that seen does. that movie, that explains so much. Um, Men in Black, Charlie's Angels. What the hell? And the and the first of this, the second script for this, and the apparent third movie that they are making in 2019. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> They'll have to honestly. I don't know. The big thing that sold this movie to me before I had even seen it, like when I would see the trailers for the first two, the thing that piqued my interest was the cast. And I feel like I will see the third one if the cast is genuinely good. Like, I mean, I like everyone in this movie. Exactly. Yeah. And Save I think maybe they, one or two people, if they bring in like actual POCs and, yeah. and maybe more than one woman. There's, then... there's some weird meta self-awareness with the one token lady yeah, in the cat. Yeah, but not enough. Just like, just enough to kind of like point it out to general audiences, but they didn't like commit to that a whole lot of the no. like, hey, this is kind of ridiculous. I'm the only woman here. Yeah, Lizzie, Lizzie Kaplan, right? Yes. Yeah, she usually just could have been another dude. Yeah, but it, the whole point just, is just the tokenism. Yeah. Of the, it's the Smurfette they, principle. And they had to hook her up with Dave Franco, which, why? It's you, Dave Franco. Because <laughs> straights. Yeah. Also, do you mean Chick Cooper? Because every time I see Chick Cooper do fucking anything, I'm like, <laughs> you are Dave Franco's clone. And it is weird, and yeah. I don't know how to feel. Dave but... Franco's face is kind of unsettling to me. <laughs> I actually have a friend from high school who looks exactly like Dave Franco. I'm sorry for your high school friend. <laughs> he doesn't look like it as much anymore, but like when we were in high school and when 21 Jump Street came out, we all were like, oh yeah, that's Greg. Because it <laughs> looked exactly like him. So we were like, oh yeah, Greg's in that movie. And generally, whenever I see a Franco smile, uh -huh. I get the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> <laughs> Just there's, there's something jokerish about their smile and i just well then eventually covering the disaster artist will be fun <sighs> yes it will be but yeah going i'm trying to think of what else in this review um i think that's pretty much it for so, golden mail let's see 
So, he, he refers to Radcliffe as disturbingly bearded, which is kind of great. I, I didn't mind the beard. I like I the know, beard. I know. But it's it's just kind of funny because I think this was like, this was so early in post-Potter kind of for Radcliffe. So I'm sure it was like, wait, I'm not used to seeing him without a beard. Yeah. I've seen like 14 hours of Harry Potter movies where he's just a little kid or whatever. But it's so weird that. People are unsettled by his beard, but we're comfortable with seeing his ass at this point. <laughs> Touche. Um, all right. So the Atlantic. Okay. They did not like this movie. No, they did not. In, in unsurprising Atlantic fashion. <laughs> but also, I agree with a lot of what they oh, said. Oh, no, I'm not saying I disagree, but generally, you know, the Atlantic is the Atlantic. Yeah. But yeah, it the first paragraph talks about the aforementioned like sleight of hand playing card where the hell did everything go scene. And also the one moment that I did pay the most attention to that scene was when Lizzie Kaplan's character takes off her bra without taking off her shirt and everyone stares at her like, how did she do that? That's actual <laughs> magic. And I'm like, you straight white men do yep. not know fucking anything. Because that is very easy. But it was just funny that like that got the biggest like oh, how did she do that? She's really magic. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But yeah, it it, it calls it's, the scene preposterous and in a movie that's brimming with preposterous scenes. Yes, they they also go on to say, the sequence perhaps captures everything that's wrong with Now You See Me Too. Magic is supposed to inspire wonder, even if the audience knows it's all smoke and mirrors and hidden trap doors and misdirection. Yeah. But very little about this hollow sequel. It's a 2013's heist thriller, thriller feels mysterious. Its biggest set pieces will make viewers ask, whoa, how did they do that? But wait, huh? Uh-huh. That's, yeah. That's I didn't totally feel, bad. yeah, I didn't feel like, ooh, ah, it was like, whoa, come on, stop. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what we were saying earlier. It's like, if you if you only explain some of the magic, then it kind of makes people try to question and pick apart all of the magic. Yeah, because yeah. they there weren't like you were saying there weren't rules to yeah. what they were doing. Like I I keep thinking in my brain like going back to something like uh, Inception, mm -hmm. which is kind of like a thriller with magic, a heist. Yeah, yeah, a heist. Yeah, there's clear like rules to that movie. They're not yeah clearly stated, but you can figure them out. Well, and they and the ones that are like really important to the part, the plot are stated where it's like yeah. how to survive and how to do X, Y, and Z and whatever. Like you know what is at stake when the characters do things that should put them in danger, but I did not feel that in this movie. No, and it, and they try to have like I'm going back to Inception again, but their Inception moment, if you remember, Michael Caine has opening <sighs> uh, uh, a voiceover that kind of bookends the movie, and they try. No, no, in Inception. Oh, in Inception. Okay. Michael Sorry, does it's that. confusing because Sorry. Michael Caine is also He's in this both. movie. Uh, but it seems like they tried to like uh, recreate that here with yeah. the Morgan Freeman voiceover. And it's like, ooh, were you paying attention? It's like, no, because I lost interest. Well, and then there's so many ham-fisted, like, half-literary references in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, not enough to really justify it. Like, the whole, oh, you went down the rabbit hole of the garbage chute thing. And then at the end, when it's don't pay attention to the curtain and whatever. And I'm just yeah. like, you, you either commit to that or don't commit to that. Because in between, it was just so lazy. Yeah, thematically, if you had stuck with that, it would have been much more interesting. Yeah, like, framing 
Wizard of Oz or framing Alice in Wonderland in the context of a heist movie would be interesting, but no. <laughs> I'm like, now I'm just thinking about the, the sci-fi like miniseries that was Alice in Wonderland and how fucking good oh, that God, was. Yeah. I didn't so, see that, but I wanted oh, to. I will show that to you at some point because I have the DVD <laughs> and I love it. But yeah, so it's just... Uh, it, like it, the, I don't know if this review touches on it, but I'm kind of tired of the trope deus ex machina of the device that can access the entire internet. <laughs> I am so tired of that. It's it a stupid like, thing. It it's so like lazy. It feels like a MacGuffin that was left over from every single Jason Bourne movie. Yeah. Where it's just like... Jesus Christ, it's Jason Bourne. <laughs> Jason Christ, it's Jason Bourne. I, I mentioned Jason Bourne, so you could do that reference. Because <laughs> that is my favorite vine. Um, yeah, it it does. It just feels so lazy. And it, it felt like a MacGuffin that conveniently changed every time they brought it up mm -hmm. again. Where, like, what it could do and what it needed. Like, what it was at stake if someone got it and whatever. Like, I couldn't follow that. And it was just kind of... So generic. Yeah. Uh, Atlantic goes on to say, fascinating themes and ideas hover at the margins. The malleability of perception, the virtues of awe-inspiring in a world where technology has ably supplanted magic, but the film mostly keeps them hidden behind a curtain. There was a moment in here where I thought, it's like, oh, cool. Technology is going to kind of replace magic or technology can perform magic mm -hmm. and like i thought there was going to be a cool setup and it never really followed through it no. was just a stupid deuce ex machina that went nowhere mm -hmm. yeah it's then like if you're movies... yeah it, i'm already having to suspend disbelief from this universe because as i said a universe where magic is as cool as it is in this universe like i don't know like the popularity of magic in the world of this movie is already enough of a leap in my mind so i'm I, like you could have taken even that a step further i don't know if it's the popularity of magic in this world so much as it is the the horsemen characters themselves yeah but i just mean like I don't know if I feel like if, if they existed in the real world, it would be like, oh, cool. They kind of did one thing. And now I don't know. Like, it just seems like the, there's <laughs> another trope, not trope, but a theme they could have played with, which I don't know if they did in the first one. But to me, they seem like Robin Hood, Merry Men type characters. Yeah, I you think know, that that, I think that that is sorry. I just cut you off. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, but no, I think that that is kind of the general conceit, but they don't do that enough. Probably, in this movie. it might be in the first one. Like we said, we haven't seen it. Yeah. But like carry through with that theme, it would have been a lot stronger. Because I, that's why I think there's celebrities in this world. Yeah. Uh, and why the police are so goddamn incompetent. <sighs> they were on that flotilla thing in the middle of the Thames for like a goddamn half hour before the cops got there. Let me let me say one thing and then I will get to the police. Um, <laughs> but no, it's like I think the closest that we get to the Robin Hood thing is kind of that the sequence in the beginning when it's the oh we're going to tell you that Apple is screwing you over basically. Yeah. Like that's the only kind of feeling we really get from it and then the rest of it. I mean, you can argue that the rest of it also kind of is that cuz it's like well we're we're stopping the bad guys from screwing over your life. So that is kind of a Robin Hood-esque sort of thing, no, but it just doesn't, I don't know. I, I kind of need this just rebooted with like <laughs> a POC cast, but yes. the, the horsemen are just social justice warriors who use magic. Yes, like combine, 
combine it with like the F society kind of, of it all. Yeah, but not so dark and dour. Not, not dark and dour, but just the anarchy. Yeah. Cause these, like these, these guys feel like, I don't know. They feel like very comfortable anarchists where it's just like, we're just causing trouble for like, but we're also conveniently white people. And we like, we benefit from the system that we're also kind of trying to stop Mm -hmm. and whatever. Even the, the review, the Atlantic says, even the movies heavy handed populist message about digital privacy and corporate transparency feels strangely remote. Perhaps now, uh, now you see me too is more invested in making every scene look as cool as humanly possible. Yeah. That's right. They went for substance or style over substance. Exactly. That's would the entire easily, thing. It easily I would it would have been a much better movie if it went for the substance. It was like we're gonna look flashy and throw cards around for a half hour. But no. I there was a point during this movie where I was thinking I would have been genuinely exhausted if I had seen this in the theater. Yeah. Like it's so long and it's so like so stylistic over substance, and it's just and it throws in so many bored. unnecessarily uh, forced twists and turns. And it's like, I'm working for them. I'm working for them. I'm secretly alive. I, it's like can I go just, on my rant now? Yeah. You can go on your rant. <laughs> Thank you. So this movie, like this movie was just a perfect encapsulation of a trope that I am starting to hate in media where it's just the antagonist always being like 10 fucking steps ahead of everyone else in and a particular And we don't even know what game you're playing yet? Yes, exactly. I, I, I used that line on purpose because it's exactly that example. As someone who has to cover all of the CW shows, we had that with Prometheus. We still kind of have that with Prometheus because the running theory is that he's still manipulating shit from beyond the grave. Um, you have that with the, the thinker, like so much so that it is boring at this point because it's like, I don't, anything that anyone on the flash can do, it doesn't fucking matter because they're already like the thinker has already thought five episodes beyond that. And like, it's just, it's so frustrating. And I, those plot lines, if you handle them well, can actually be interesting, but doing them over an extended period of time, it just is so boring and not intriguing. And even with this movie, having this movie be so long and having so much of it just be the, well, I'm working for him. Well, I'm working for him. Well, I'm really double crossing. Well, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's just so, I don't know. It's so tight. I don't know if it's just because we haven't seen it really done well or it's just been done so much ad nauseum. Yeah. That it's just a tired plot device where it's like, we're going to leave the protagonist scrambling and confused for the whole movie yeah um or like they do the twist and it's like oh no we were actually two steps ahead of your 10-step plan yeah and it's, it's like we get it it's you you're trying to out clever yourselves and it doesn't work that's what it is this entire movie is people just they don't really have human interaction as much as they're just no. constantly out clevering each other in every single thing that they do 
And it's like, and like I said, it's like, it's like this weird fantasy world where the, where these people are like that. And it's just so weird to me. Cause even like the stuff at the beginning of the movie where it's like Lizzie Kaplan goes and meets Jesse Eisenberg. And she does that by doing a whole big sleight of hand trick in his apartment. And, and like at the end with Morgan Freeman's character, when it's like, here's how I planned everything from this whole movie all along. This was all my doing, even though I was in prison. And it's like, it's not clever when it's the no. eighth time that we've had uh, some sort of twist like that in there's, this movie. There's so much diminishing returns when everyone has their reveal and twist. When everyone's outsmarting the other person. Yeah. yeah. You're not outsmarting anyone. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's so frustrating yeah, to me. Because uh, the Atlantic basically says that to, uh, by the time now you see me too enters its final act the audience is prepared for even the most outrageous reversals and tricks resurrecting a pigeon transporting people to a different continent stopping rain and that nothing surprises mm -hmm. yeah uh for the biggest fans there may be enough to make the sequel worth seeing though maybe not in theaters yep yeah yeah <sighs> Let me see. Is this the okay? The third review is the one thing. It brings up a thing in a positive light that I did not see as a positive thing. But we can get to that review unless you have anything else. I, I I think we've basically covered Atlantic. It's yeah, basically echoing everything we think. It also says but, it's a bloated plot and excessive CGI, which I also think is bad. yeah for a movie that's supposed to be about subtle sleight of hand and magic an excessive amount of cgi i don't see david copperfield dead fluffing his tricks with cgi just come on <laughs> well because he can't but well, yeah but like uh, you could yeah. some of these tricks practically and i feel like it'd come across better and more realistically if they were practical and not cgi but yeah yeah um okay so the third review is from the boston globe um and it let's see it, it starts out with a very good point. It says, Now You See Me Too begins with a flashback, followed a bit later by a brief recap of its 2013 predecessor. This makes sense, since it wasn't the kind of blockbuster hit that audiences can be counted on to be familiar with. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. yeah, that's basically us. But yeah, and then what's interesting is each review has brought up a different thing that this director did. And the more that I was reading it, the more I was like, oh shit, this makes sense. Because he did the step, one of the step up movies. He did the Gem and the Holograms movie that apparently absolutely sucked ass. Yep. He did Justin Bieber's concert movie. Like he, This guy's like, filmography is kind of all over the place, but yet it makes, it makes sense. sense. Yeah. It's just, it's just like, I, I get it, but I'm, I also, I would want to see what this movie would be like with a director that just actually cares about substance. And was, and, yeah. Well, I mean, like, he's, he's a competent director and it, the movie is, like. I mean, come on, Gemma, his, Gemma the Holograms was pulled, like, two weeks from theaters. <laughs> there was a boycott as, like, as soon as the first trailer came out. Like, everyone boycotted that movie. Yeah. But, like. Uh, like I get why he would be hired for a movie like this where the 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 mindset is like popcorn just style fun kind of stuff but if but they're I going to have, I, don't know. I can what? have I can have popcorn movies that have a little substance to them I know but this is also this was also in 2016 where that wasn't as ha like it wasn't happening as much I would argue I don't know everything just feels different <laughs> now yeah. um but we yeah. also had BVS that year Oh yeah, we did. So, but you, but yeah, but you saw how that head. went. 
but you saw how that went. <laughs> like, uh, don't, don't go there. So the Boston Globe. Uh, see, even he, uh, who's the reviewer for this one? Mark Feeney? Yes. I've covered him before. I think Feeney. so. That sounds Welcome like a familiar back. name. Um, he says they're Robin Hood like illusionist who managed to combine magic with world class larceny for good causes. I guess <laughs> for the celebrity, it's like it, like the good causes seems like secondary to them wanting fame. It seemed more like, in the first, like it, it sounds like it's more prominent in the first movie. And then I, don't know what don't... I don't know what their end game is, just to keep being anarchists. But for what I, purpose? <laughs> I don't know. That's the thing. I honestly do not know. That's why, like, it didn't occur to me until you said it earlier, but the idea of, like, a soft reboot where it's just, like, maybe keep, like, one or two people. Keep Jesse Eisenberg, but, yeah. like, fill the rest of the cast with POCs, and this movie takes on, a, like, this franchise would take on a completely different context to yeah. me. Because the whole Robin Hood complex would be, like, really interesting if it was POCs. In yeah, my let's see. Like the horseman concept become a, a pseudo merry men to Robin Hood. Yeah. And there's a, that the whole eye organization. I don't know what I that's don't, about. I don't know that either. It's I think so that's loosely in the first one. I think that's in the first one. And I think it's supposed to be if you've if you've seen the first one, then the payoff is kind of justified. But it's, yeah, it's, I did not it's give a weird, fuck. It's this weird uh, not fully realized through line between the two movies that just adds another layer of unnecessary and confusion to it. Well, and honestly, like the first time that I heard them brought up, like, cause Lizzie Kaplan's character goes like, Oh, do you ever feel like the eye is watching us? And I honestly thought that she just meant that in a general sense of like big brother kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. I did not, I did not know that there would be a literal organization called the eye. And then, well, they and would, then yeah. there's like the, I'm doing air quotes payoff from the Morgan Freeman line that kind of book ends the movie. It's like, Oh, look at our wordplay. We're clever. Like, nah, you didn't earn it though. No, no, not at all. I think they just thought, well, Morgan Freeman can sell anything that he says. So yeah. you can just have him say like hollow sounding bullshit over like clip art and it'll be interesting. <laughs> it was basically clip art at the beginning of this movie. Yeah, it was. But yeah, it, let's see. Uh, so it says it doesn't take itself too seriously, which is, nah, yeah, it, it, it knows what it is. Yeah. I guess in a way. I mean, it's the guy who directed the Justin Bieber documentary. Exactly. But so there's one point in this review, which now the more that I'm reading it, the more I'm getting from this passage. So it starts about Woody Harrelson and it says Woody Harrelson, who's looking more and more like a middle-aged Gronk, which I did not notice that the first time I read this review, I am now very delighted by that review. <laughs> Gronk is a football player, babe. <laughs> if you do not know who I'm talking about. I, I did not know. Gronk okay. sounds like a, a character Google, that I okay, in Skyrim. So, so Google Gronk and you will understand why they're making that comparison. Googling Gronk. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. He's just he he's become a character in his own right. He's like one of the few football players who has like a borderline wrestling persona. Like it, it's kind of he, he's become this kind of larger than life figure who just ha also happens to play football. But yeah, so then it says that that Harrelson has an advantage though. There are two of them. Harrelson's character turns out to be twins. That's right, twin twins. But I do not see that as a twins. fucking advantage. I do not see that as an advantage. I, no. I hated the twin plot line. It was so 
unnecessary. And the the second twin was so bad. It it I don't know what Woody Harrelson was doing. I think his direction was, yeah, do whatever you want to distinguish your two characters. <laughs> so that just meant like wearing the Justin Timberlake ramen noodles hair and yep. just being it's gonna be me. <laughs> and just being fucking annoying the entire course of this movie. Yeah. Like, <sighs> like there there are characters like that that should have been cut. There wasn't yeah. nearly enough Radcliffe. No. Like I really I wanted there to be I don't know if I had expected it or thought there was going to be some sort of magic rivalry. Yes. Between Radcliffe and Eisenberg. But see, that I, was that was like, thinking gonna that it was going to be the technological magic kind of thing. Yeah, but, it's like yeah. my technology magic versus your magic magic, and it <laughs> would have been so much more interesting and compelling, and we did not get that. Well, because the whole first act of the movie, you're thinking, oh, what are his motivations? What is he like? What is Radcliffe kind of doing in this movie? Why does he give a shit? And then you like the payoff of it being, oh, he's just the son of the villain from the first movie. And that he's not they, even his real son. No, it's so... and he's the Ramsey Bolton of this situation. Yeah, like it. It's just the payoff wasn't worth it. And I no. would have rather I would have rather had Radcliffe have his own motivations and then have the Michael Caine thing be part of that because having it only be. I'm Michael Caine's son, and so that's why I'm trying to ruin you guys' life. Was so it was just not interesting. I wanted Radcliffe to be able to actually do more. Yeah, he should have been his own character. Yeah, uh, like because his intro scene was so interesting, and it was so good, and it yeah. was self-aware. He was, he, was, he was menacing and eccentric and fun to watch, and then he just kind of disappears and is under the shadow of Michael, Michael Caine. Caine. Yeah, uh, he he was kind of wasted. He was definitely, but yeah, like the, that first scene was really like genuinely good. And like, I loved the meta line of like, <laughs> I, let me find it. Cause I wrote it down. The, we can't be, we can't all be held accountable for our adolescent personas. And I'm just Wink. like, that's fucking perfect. That's like, where <laughs> that is the wittiest line in this movie, in this script. And it should, we should have had more of that. Like yes. more like actual thought behind what is being said. Because that's not a line that would have instantly registered with everybody. Like you had to kind of think about it, yeah. realizing, oh, he's referencing him being in Harry Potter. But like, it's a good payoff of a line. It was. And we don't get enough of that. Uh, um, which is why they gave this two and a half stars. Yeah. Out of what? I don't know. It could be two and a half out of three. Out of ten. Two and a half out of ten. Two and a half out of two and a half. Who fucking knows? Well, no, it wouldn't be that because that would be fresh. Or no, this is fresh. Never mind. It is fresh. So it's such a weird metric. So uh, this is why the Rotten Tomato system is flawed. Boston, (laughs) like Boston Globe. Come on, guys. Tell us what your system is out of. Two and a half tells me nothing. Yeah. Um, let's see. And so back in the review, let's see, it talks about Radcliffe's character. It says he's part Bond villain, part spoiled brat. That's my thing. I didn't need the spoiled brat ex- like aspect, just having me a Bond villain. And like this movie made me realize he does like he does a good job in those kind of villain-esque kind of roles yeah. in this big scale sort of movie. And it made me want to see more of that, but with a script that isn't so bland yeah exactly he's a good actor he did Mm -hmm. well with what he had yeah he made it fun but it wasn't like i don't know 
And I think we kind of, I kind of knew that going in because I was like, okay, he's not like the main character of this movie, but like, I don't know. I was still just kind of disappointed by how he was used. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think it's interesting because I feel like he kind of pivoted away from these types of movies into doing like the Swiss army men and all of the kind of stuff that's more indie and not as much like big, big hollow blockbuster. Yeah. And I kind of commend, I, I commend him for that. Like I have to say that, but yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was probably just uh, hey, I get to hang out with some cool people and cash a big paycheck movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I do love the line in this review. It says, "If Edward Snowden had a Netflix queue in Moscow, this movie <laughs> would have ended up on it." Yes, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it. Let's see. I think that's it for this. Yeah, movie. that's all. Mark Feeney. Mr. Feeney has to say. Mr. Feeney. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We haven't made an Arrested Development joke, and I'm kind of disappointed in ourselves. I know. I, I made one when we were watching it. Yeah. Uh, with Lex. With Lex. Because <laughs> I was like, this is a weird AU where this is how Lex deals with his daddy issues instead of just blackmailing <laughs> Superman. <laughs> I'm like, I want to see that AU where it's like, hey, I'm Lex, I can do magic, and Superman's like, cool, (laughs) I don't give a fuck. I'm going (laughs) to laserize you. Magic is one of his weaknesses. (laughs) Really? It is. (laughs) I didn't know that was like an actual thing. It's a canonical weakness that magic affects Superman. Oh, my God. Well, then now I really comic? I do even comic, but I have not comicked the ones that talk about magic being a weakness <laughs> of Superman. I want to now. I really want that AU though, because that would make like the third act fight really interesting. Yeah, it's this, like this movie makes me want a whole lot of AUs that'll be much more interesting. Yeah, but um, we won't get those. No, we won't. I'm just like I'm now picturing whatever the Legion of Doom plotline ends up being. And it's like Lex in his mech suit against Superman. And then he just starts doing magic. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, yeah. that, that's kind of a, a good segue it's into good the, segue. the last segment. So, uh, so the last. Yeah. What? Go. No, no, you go. No, no go. you go. You go. Fine. I'll go. You're, you're uh, introducing the segment. So the last segment is we fan cast the cast of the movie. We're talking about into a comic book property. We've done Daniel Radcliffe Guess a couple what? times we now. We literally cannot do that with anyone in this movie other than Dave Franco. Well, okay, but I have a new one for Daniel okay. Radcliffe okay. after seeing this. Okay. Uh, Max Lord. Ooh. Okay. I yeah. think that could work for him. It could. Kind of a pseudo good guy gone bad, but like a evil business guy. I like that. Yeah, that would that would be interesting. I still hold on to like the first fan cast that we kind of decided for him, but like that. Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I yeah I, I like well and I can't remember what else you suggested, but yeah I, I like that. I think that that would also be a good option. I had a moment with all of this random kind of es- like literal escapism <laughs> of magic, and like uh-huh. just looking at him, and it's like you kind of look like uh, the current Mister Miracle right now. Oh. Yo, I'm like, okay, I want, I still want Ryan Gosling as Mr. Miracle, but like. But Daniel Radcliffe with a beard. That would be really interesting. Yeah. Oh, and then that would get like everyone to, I mean, that would, that would sell it to a general audience perspective because it's like, 
hey, you're watching basically adult Harry Potter be yes. suicidal because of the magic that he's doing. <laughs> like, oh, that would be really interesting. Fuck. I want them to make a Mr. Miracle movie, but I also Me love that too. it's like not a thing anytime soon because I just there are so many good fan casts and so many good versions of this movie that I'm just like holding on to in my head. <laughs> Like, this is my baby, and I will hold on to it until you decide to make, like, this an actual thing, like, yes. however fucking long down the line. But, yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, but, no. So, because we have, okay, Michael Caine, Superman, or superhero movie. Morgan Freeman, superhero movie. Eisenberg, obviously, superhero movie. Um, Woody Harrelson, playing like mobster number two or whatever the fuck in venom i swear he, he oh has, he's in venom oh that's he, right i forgot that yeah he's because oh, well, he's friends with ruben fleischer so that's right. of course he's gonna be in venom but i'm hoping that his role like actually has substance and he's not just like in there, there as kind of a wink and a nod kind of thing like it seems really stupid to underuse him in a marvel context it especially does. yeah i don't know and I'm like, especially if he's <laughs> considering the fact that he is in Rick Roll the movie. Yeah. So, oh, and, I should. Yeah. And then Lindsay Kaplan was in that weird little Marvel short. Oh yeah. And that leaves uh, and, Dave and, Franco. Well, and she is in the movie that will never see the light of day, Gambit. Yeah. Yeah. So, what would you pick for Dave Franco? Something with a mask. <laughs> You're just like, fuck Dave Franco. <laughs> He's a nice guy. It's just that smile. Well, so make him young Joker. And his eyebrows come like it's there's his eyes are so sunken in into his head. <laughs> make like, him young Joker then. I could see that. Put him in that uh, that uh who's doing that one? The guy who did all the movies. Scorsese. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> the guy who did all the movies. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That was really great. Oh. My brain turned off, but it's yeah, okay. put, put Franco, the uh, the younger Franco, in the uh, '80s Scorsese Joker movie. Like I would, that would genuinely kind of work. Like it I would, really would. It I would, would watch that. And I, especially considering the fact that I just looked up Dave Franco fancast and now my eyes are kind of bleeding because <laughs> all of the takes are bad. It's like Nightwing. Wally West. Mm, no. It's all the typical uh, white boy Harry nonsense Osborne. casting. Um, I think, I don't know who the fuck, Iceman, I think. No. Um, Iron Fist at one point. <laughs> no. Like Dave um, Franco, he's, he's a nice guy. He's, he's a good actor. I think he could pull off Young Joker. I think so, too. Like, I, I genuinely, like, I don't know. I, I have... If that movie is even fucking happening, which I don't really want it to, I would either pick Tyrell from Mr. Robot because he like perfectly looks the part, or Dave Franco. Yeah. Yeah. I could see him as a a, a rogue. Yeah. A flash the one rogue. With the mask. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he could work as any of them, like Weather Wizard or Mirror Master. I don't. I wouldn't give him Mirror Master, especially like the TV oh, show. He, the TV he, show butchered Mirror Master oh, so but badly. No, give, give, that, like, him, give him the Sam Scudder one where he has the coke addiction. Because <laughs> he okay. does the coke off the mirror. Get it? Oh okay. yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I guess that works. 
It's canon. I swear to God. I, I, I believe you. I wholeheartedly <laughs> believe you. And then now that just made me think of Dave, Dave Franco as some sort of rogue and then Snowflame shows up. Oh, but Dave Franco's the other Franco's going to be multiple, man. So. Oh, is he, though? Yeah, that movie's not happening. Yeah, I'm like, is he, though? He's not. Gambit is already in the toilet. I don't have faith for any X-Men movie that is not half filmed at this point. Which is kind Thanks, of disappointing. Disney. Which is kind of disappointing because I want my Noah Hawley, Doctor Doom. We all movie, do. But oh, we like, all do. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it, they would probably scrap New Mutants if they didn't have about like two thirds of the finished movie already filmed. Yeah. Like, I know they're going back and re rewriting it basically, but I'm glad that they're at least doing that and they're not just canning it because they yeah. put too much money into it to scrap it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so if people want to hear you talk about comic book news and movies that aren't happening <laughs> and all of that, <laughs> where can people find you? They can find me on the social medias at the Chris Vito. That's, uh, you know, Twitter, Instagram. Not That's my really space. it. MySpace. Not MySpace. Snapster. Snapster. Book. <laughs> Just name my every. Face. Yeah. <laughs> you sound like my grandma. <laughs> Who has called Facebook a thing she has an account on and checks once a day. She calls it face page. Nice. That's yeah. a stupid trope I hate in movies too. When when they have not even old people uh, misname social media. It's like, you're fucking 30 years old. You know what Instagram and Facebook are. Quit <laughs> it. I hate that stupid trope. Like Let's, all, the fucking and, Steve, all the Steve Rogers AUs that are like that just make me dead inside. Steve Rogers is an intelligent man. He can figure that shit out. I know. But the, just the, the thing of like him dressing like an old man in the Avengers movie and then the list in Winter Soldier, everyone's like, Steve doesn't know anything about pop culture, so he can be like stupidly inexperienced at everything. And I'm like, no, he picks shit up. Like, yes. come on. Uh, yeah. Anyways, where can the people find you? If you can find me ranting about things like what you just heard, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and all of that at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn. You can find our podcast at Tomato Tomato Pod. We're on Twitter and Facebook, and we have a Gmail. And we are currently building a YouTube page for you to go back and listen to all of our old episodes. So, yeah. Yeah. Subscribe there on iTunes. Follow us on all the social medias. Leave reviews on iTunes, please. Please, reviews. Yes. Reviews are great, they help us a lot. Yes, they definitely do. All right. Well, so next week we will be talking, we will be preparing for Black Panther by watching a Ryan Coogler movie. You could probably guess what it is. <laughs> it's a recent one. Ish. Ish. But yeah. So until next time, keep watching movies. Keep watching movies. R.I.P. Papa Poutine. <laughs> <laughs>